Welcome to this new life podcast. It is our desire that you learn all of the benefits of the abundant life that you have in Jesus Christ, so you can live your life to its fullest. Listen and be encouraged. Uh, man, it's such a pleasure just to be able to, you know, bring the word today. This is such a privilege. And never belittle times like this because I know that God has in store for us a lot of things. And, you know, the week may go crazy, but, you know, our, our God loves us crazy good. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but today I'm expecting, I'm expecting more. Uh, our first service earlier, you know, I pray that it was, oh, man, you know, just, just, we're just, just pouring out. We're, we're, we believe that God has more in store for us. And everybody said, who believed that said, amen. Amen. So today, I just want to be able to continue along the lines of what our pastors have started the past weeks. We've been talking about intimacy and then now identity. And today, I want to discuss more, share more along those lines. How many of you are ready for more of God? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I want to jump in to this verse in John 1, verse 43 to 49 in the New Living Translation. It says, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46, I want you to see this so clearly. This is what Nathaniel said. He said, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I'll read out one more time. Verse 46. Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we just honor you right now. We honor your word. And we thank you, Lord God, that the entrance of your word brings light. In your words, they are spirit and they are life. And I thank you, Lord God, for life to come forth today. In this short time that we are together, I thank you that your word brings life to our Mondays all the way to our Saturdays, to our Sundays again. And I thank you, Lord God, for lives changed today. Jesus, in this place, you alone be exalted and your people be blessed. And everybody who agrees said, Amen. 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 Well, I want to start off today's message by this question. I want to ask you, how many of you here are pretty frank? You know, like, you pretty much say things as it is. Can I see a show of hands? Anybody here? No, not your name is Frank, all right? But how many of you here are pretty frank? You're pretty uh, upfront, direct. Anybody? Anybody from the balcony? I see hands there going up. Yeah, come on, Stephen. Don't be shy. Come on. Uh, anyway, but how many of you can be frank without being obnoxious? Okay, now, a lot of more hands... Went down. Does that mean that you're obnoxious when you're frank? <laughs> all right. But we all need someone in our lives who can tell things as it is. Amen? Amen. Do you have a friend who you trust so much? Like who has been with you through the battles of life? Like a friend who can 
tell you what's wrong with you without judging you? You got friends like that? Come on, we all need friends like that, right? Like people who can tell you to your face what's wrong with you, but without judging you because that's just the plain truth as they see it. Like, have you ever had those conversations where you get to talk, ab talk about something and then they begin to talk about you and they just say, oh, it's just facts, bro, facts. Have you ever had those conversations? Oh, it's just facts. Yeah, no nothing personal. Those are just the facts. Can everybody say that? Say facts. Facts, facts, facts. And perhaps in some of those conversations, you may have, you know, talked about, you know, fact is you're making a fool of yourself by staying in that relationship. Ever had that conversation? Right? Or fact is it's time for you to shift careers. Fact is perhaps you got to put more heart into your job and stop complaining about your boss. Or fact is, you know what? There's no other way around it but just to say sorry. Those are the facts. Facts is, it's now time to make a change. There you go, see? And so we just dated people here in the sanctuary. They know the song. Wow. Facts. Facts. Now that's a fact. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you just dated yourself. That's facts. 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 And Nathaniel in this story is a pretty facts kind of guy. He's pretty upfront. But he also is a man, the Bible says, Jesus said, in whom is no deceit. Jesus said that his integrity is impeccable. Complete integrity. But Nathaniel looked at Nazareth as a place where nothing good ever came out of. There was a stamp of disapproval on that little town. Now, Nathaniel wasn't being evil. He wasn't being biased. He wasn't being judgmental, you know. That, that wasn't him because remember, Jesus just said, he's a man of complete integrity. But Nathaniel was just simply stating facts. Nathaniel identified Nazareth as good for nothing and that was the prevailing public opinion of that day. Those were the facts. Now, let me encourage you today, however, that may have been the prevailing public opinion, but the majority is not always right. Can I say this today? That the voice of the majority does not necessarily represent the voice of truth, and that the voice of the masses does not necessarily reflect the voice of God. And so sometimes, sometimes, you know, we see that even in Scripture. We see the voice of the masses crying out for the crucifixion of the Savior of the world. Now, how did that go? The voice of the majority is not always right. But what we see in this story, if you were from Nazareth, you probably would think as well, oh, that nothing good ever comes out of my town. And because I'm from my town, my town I probably would not be good as well. Now, we know Jesus never sinned. Amen? We know Jesus never sinned. He never gave in. He never failed God, but he surely felt how it was to be tempted to identify oneself with the overwhelming voices that carried a thousand and one opinions with who he was. And isn't that something that we face daily? 
it isn't much different from today. You see, Nazareth was the background of Jesus. And though it was where he came from, it wasn't his destiny, nor was it his definition. Yes, he would be called Jesus of Nazareth. But you know why? For the means of confounding the wise and to make foolish what the world deems wise. They thought no good thing would ever come out of Nazareth. Time and again, I'm sure Jesus would have heard that. Oh, where are you from, Nazareth? Nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. Those are the facts, boy. Those, that is the reality of where you grew up. Nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. Little did they know that the Savior of the world would come out of Nazareth. That not just something good, but someone great, great enough to bring salvation to the world would come out of a little town despised and looked down called Nazareth. And Nazareth was the background of Jesus. Before he was ever known as the Messiah, he was known as a simple Nazarene. Did you know that Nazareth can speak of your background? I want to ask you today, what's your background? Where have you been in life? Sometimes we are led to the same question, the same question that Nathaniel asked. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But today our question is, can anything good come out of where I've come from? I want to ask you this morning, where have you come from in life? Have you come from a broken marriage, a broken family, a college dropout, a failed business, a wayward son, a drunkard, an ex-convict, a drug addict? Can anything good come out of that? So let me ask you that one more time. Can anything good come out of that? Well, I want to tell you this morning, when you've got the Savior of the world, Christ in you, the hope of glory, you can expect that not just good, but greatness can come out because you are not your own, my friends. The life that you now live, you no longer live by you. You live by the faith of the Son of God. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Take that public opinion. It's time that we exalt the truth of God's word over the thousands of opinions all around us. Did you notice all of a sudden, like seemingly overnight because of the lockdown, everybody became an expert on telling people who they are? Did you notice that? Man, it's crazy. The culture and social media, like you, they just make one mistake and they are defined by it. Did you notice that? Or it's just me, right? Like somebody just simply swerves the wrong lane and they get bashed online. Oh, you are a reckless driver. Man, and I realized that's how the world thinks. The world defines you on the events that you have walked in in life. And the world has a tendency to define you on a certain event to blow it up and say, you are only as good as that which happened in your life. That's how the world thinks. They look at the events in your, oh, you know what? You got separated. You messed up your marriage. Oh, you are a failure. Oh, you dropped out from college. You're, you're not going to amount to any good. Can I just share a testimony? I almost dropped out of college. <laughs> how many of you know the young people, they can get messed up at times. Oh, but praise God, something good still came out of this boy who got lost in college. 
Man, if you saw me in college, I probably spent more time in the biliaran than in uh, my classroom. Can anybody relate? Any unholy guys? Oh, man. Thank you for people who are willing to say the truth. I feel better, but thank you guys. Thank you for identifying with me. But how many of you know that those events do not dictate who we are? In God's eyes, He used one event 2,000 plus years ago to define who you are. And when He saw you, He said, Hey, you know what? They're worth it to go all the way to the cross that He gave Himself for us. And He said, they are worth dying for. Did you realize that one of the strengths of Christianity, the, one, the reason why we can live for God, the reason why we can give our all to God is because we have grabbed a hold of the truth that we can live for God because He thought that we were worth dying for? That's one of the truths in Christianity we hold on to. And so going back, let's go back, let's go back to to what we were talking about earlier. You know, if, if you brought all of that setting, the Jesus, the face, the, the thing that, the, those things that he faced, do you know that we will still be defined by the world on the basis of the events in our lives? You know why? Because the world will define you on the basis of your past because the world will definitely def not define you on the basis of your future. You know why? Because the world does not know your future. And your future, it is bright, it is beautiful, it is boundless. Oh, but you know who does know the future? God does. And it's going to be good. Can somebody say that this morning? Say it's going to be good. Amen. So as we move forward, I want to tell you this morning, you are more than what, than how the world sees you. And you are more than the failures of the past. And so much more than any success that will come in the future. In the same way that the failures don't tell you who you are in the low times, successes don't tell you who you are in the high. And the many events, one more time, in my life may have been used to define me by man. But God used the cross of Calvary to define me once and for all. And he said, I am worth it. But just as it is today, with so much noise raging all around, trying to shape you, to define you, to mold you into the world's image, so it was in Jesus' time. Nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. And that would, have, that would have been so good if like, you know, like that was the only thing Jesus heard. But how many of you know that wasn't the last criticism that Jesus would hear throughout his life on earth? Later on, he would hear, oh, Jesus, he's a wine-bibber. Jesus, he's a false prophet. Jesus, he's got a devil. Can you think about that? Like telling Jesus, Jesus, you got a devil in you. That's crazy. On top of that, the same voices that called him Messiah would then call for his crucifixion. The voice of the world is ever-changing. And that's why you can never base who you are on that. The ever-changing voice of the world can never bring true, lasting, and clear definition on you because it doesn't understand who you truly are. And who are you? You are of 
God. But you know who, who understands that? God does. And we see God bringing definition to Jesus in Matthew 3, verse 16 to 17. I want us to read this verse, and this is what it says. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know, when I was reading this scripture and when I was studying for this message, when I read this scripture, I was reminded about a particular event in my boy's life. You know, he's my favorite son, and I know my other children will not argue, right? He's my favorite son, David. For those of you who don't know the joke, I got five kids, four of which are girls, only one boy, all right? But I remember KD, that's his name. And KD had his first basketball tournament. And I remember, you know, before sleeping that, that night, the night before, you know, KD could not sleep. He was so excited. Me, on the other hand, you know, as a dad, I was so nervous. It was going to be his first time in a basketball tournament. And I remember going to the court, going to, you know, Quezon City that Sunday morning. I was telling him in the car, Dave, you're going to do great. You're going to do awesome. Just give your best. That's what matters. It's not about winning. It's about the process. Huh? How many of you had those pep talks with your kids, right? You know, and all of that is great. Great pep talk, right? Can, can somebody affirm me today? Great pep talk, <laughs> right? I mean, how many of you do that as well? And so warm-ups. Warm-ups came and they're shooting. They're, they're doing their layup drills. And you know, basketball is also my first love. And I realized that as a dad there observing, watching my kids first basketball tournament, I realized I cannot stay quiet. This dad all of a sudden became a sideline coach. So I'm there reminding David, you know, behind the goal. I'm telling David, David, come on, tuck your elbows in. Make sure your arms are straight and don't forget your follow-through where you can get money, all right? So I'm there and I'm, I'm telling David, this is what you got to do. You know, don't forget. Don't forget our practice. Don't forget what you got to do. And you're going to do great. You're going to do good. You're, you're going to be awesome. You're going to perform well, Dave. Come on, which... All great encouragements. They're all great. And this is David's first time ever. But I look at this scripture once again, and isn't it a wonder that scripture says that his ways are higher than our ways? And I wonder how would God prepare his son for such a big task? And to that, we see the answer in Matthew 3 verse 17. And it says, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see Jesus being prepared to be launched into the mission of a lifetime. And how does God prepare him? How does God prepare him? Did he say, come on, Jesus, you're going to do great. Woo! Which would have been great. But we don't see God doing that. Did you know, did God say, oh, Jesus, don't forget how we rehearsed in the heavenlies, okay? This is how you're going to heal the blind, spit on them, right? This is how you're going to be, you know, healing the, the sick. Just lay your hands on them. The devil come out, right? Like, God doesn't do that. He says, did he say, you know, just follow my instructions, boy? You know, and there, there's a proper place for that. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. 
But we're talking here about this particular time where Jesus is about to be launched into the mission of his lifetime. And what does God say? How does he prepare him? Verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Two things that I want us to note this morning. He says, Son, I love you. You are my beloved Son. And I know that we know that. Anybody here know that you are loved by God? Amen. One more time, not convincing. Anybody here know that you are loved by God? Amen. Come on, everybody in the comment section. Say, I am loved by God. But God doesn't stop there. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so I checked this word, well pleased. And I checked it in its original writing. In the original Greek, this word, well, please, is the Greek word, eudokeo. E-U-D-O-K-E-O. Eudokeo. E-U-D-O-K-E-O. And what does this word mean? Now, I checked out what this word means. And it means, now get this, get this. This is the word which means to approbate. Anybody here knows what approbate means? Oh my goodness, I'm so happy nobody knows it. Because you know what? When I was checking out its definition, I was, I, was, I, I thought, Rabbi, I'm so bobo. I don't know what that word means. And I'm so glad that none of us here understand what that word is. I'm in good company. Yeah. Stephen, do you know what that word means? See, even the American up there doesn't know what approbate means. We're in good company, guys. All right, everybody, everybody. Now, here's what the word approbate means. So, Stephen, listen up so you know this, okay? All right, this is what the word approbate means. The word approbate means to approve officially. To approve officially. That's what it means. God was stamping Jesus with his official seal of approval once and for all to silence the critics and to finally put Jesus in right understanding. For Jesus to be established in who He is before His Father. You are officially approved. Approbate. Eudokeo. And just in case you might forget what this word means, I'll make it even simpler for you. So when you leave today, if this is all that you remember, it's worth it. You know what eudokeo means? Just simply slow down. And you know what it's, that tells us? It tells us you... The okay, yo. You, the okay, yo. You know, and you might be thinking, oh, Pastor Mon's going hip-hop. Well, I got the mic today, so you'll have to endure me. But if you go home today, you'll be reminded, hey, you know what? When things go crazy, I'm the okay, yo. When things, like, go nuts and I don't know really what to do next, I am okay with my God. I am approved by my God. When the enemy comes in and plants a lie in your head, you remind yourself, you the okayo. When circumstances run contrary to this truth, you remind yourself, you the okayo. I am officially approved. God is stamping his seal of approval on Jesus. You know, if you think about it, even the circumstances in Jesus' life, so many, even the circumstances of Jesus' birth, did not merit man's approval. He was born in a manger. Even though he had the right to get into the inn as a son of David. 
That's a different lesson right there. But he got rejected. He did not get man's approval. When he was a year old, his family had to flee to Egypt because the king wanted him dead. And then he came back to settle in a little town nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. No wonder God had to make sure that his voice was the loudest and weightiest in defining who Jesus is. He was affirmed, assured, accepted, and approved by his heavenly Father. Now all that is good, Pastor Mon. Some of you might be thinking, all that is good. But what has that got to do with me? Well, do you know that all throughout Scripture, God is trying to convince you that you are not what you think you are. God has been inviting man to come up in his way of thinking and believing, and it begins with his identity. No wonder we have scriptures such as Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, in 1 John 4 verse 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, in that we may have boldness in the time of crisis, in the time of tribulations, in the time of problems. Why? So that we may declare that as He is, so are we in this world. In Colossians 3 verse 3, it says, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. God is inviting us to come up in our understanding of how He sees us. And for today, may I remind you, you, my friends, you are approved. You, thou okay, yo. Sometimes God says some things about you and you will look in the mirror and not see it. Have you ever looked in the mirror and you doubted whether you look good? Come on, guys. Maybe in the morning when you wake up. But hopefully, hopefully you would wake up one day and when you wake up in the mirror, you have no words left to say because when you look in the mirror, you're speechless at what you see. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. Right? Because that's what faith does. If you don't believe it at first, it transforms you. So one day when you wake up, you look at the mirror, man, you did okay, yo. Right? But sometimes God says some things about us and we will look into the mirror and not see it. Pretty much like that bodybuilder, friend of yours, who thinks he is too fat. I had a friend before, you know, when I was in, I just graduated college, and we were in the gym every day, and his body fat percent was 17.5%. Now, for those of you who don't know, that's crazy good. Now, years later, you know, so I remember, like, going to the gym with him, and he would look at the mirror, he would flex, and he would say, Grabe, you know, mon, I'm there. I'm like, I want to get my shoe and bash him on the head. Right? Like, you, 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 wow, you look great, man. You look great. I'm like overweight and you're saying you're, you look fat? <gasps> crazy. Isn't that crazy? You know, like even today, you know, social media has a way of influencing the young people and not just the young people, but people of all generations, making them question their satisfaction or contentment with who they are. Man, it's, it's so prevalent. You look around, it's happening everywhere. Years later, this bodybuilder friend of mine came back to me and said this very, I was astounded at what he said. 
I didn't realize that out of all the muscle, there was a lot between the ears. Anyway, but I, I told him, <laughs> I told him that's my way of getting back at him. Uh, I told that to him, Grabe bro, may laman pala, hindi lang dito. Okay, anyway, anyway, sorry Lord, sorry Lord. I'm still okay, right? Okay, anyway. But years later, he came back to me. And this, he said, which really nailed me to the floor. He said, you know what I realized, Mon? After years of working out, there's a difference between working out because you dislike yourself and there's a difference between that and working out because you do love yourself. See, in his earlier years, he was trying to get away from that image that he saw in the mirror that caused so much dissatisfaction that he had to change the, the man in the mirror for him to just finally love himself. But now that he's older, he said, Regardless of how I look, I know I am working out. I'm striving to be a better version of myself because, not because I hate myself, but because I love myself. And I realized that conversation, it sounds a lot like some of us. It's like trying to project to be someone who we're not because we want to gain approval from all the wrong sources as if who we are in God's eyes is not enough. Let me tell you, you were worth the blood of His Son. And this is something that we got to preach more. The church in general. Because I know in New Life, we get good preaching and everybody said, Amen. And I believe that this is something that the church has to owe up more. You know, it has something to do with the church getting the message out more. You know, so, many, so much of the church's preachings, and I, and I say this in general, in general, so much of the church's preachings have focused on the, the, the what's, the how's, the do's, and the don'ts, which is all good. All good. The disciplines, the instructions, they're all good in its proper place because that comes secondary to understanding identity. See, being precedes doing. The empowerment to do comes from knowing who you are. Otherwise, God would want, God, God, God would have made us to just simply be robots, right? Like, okay, worship, pray, give, bye. No, God's not like that. And so we got to understand first identity. And how do we know our, our identity? By knowing Him. See, all the way, all the way back to Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. He needed to show what he looks like, like what he is like. So what did he do? He made man. Otherwise, without an image of God, a likeness of God on earth, all that creation would have is a concept of God and never a likeness of him. He needed man to be the avenue to show and express his nature through. No wonder when man was created, for the first time, God said, it is very good. I want to tell you this morning, you are very good. You are approved. You, the okay, yo. Which brings me to this point. And what is this point? First point I want to share to you this morning is that approval is the environment for your enjoyment. You know, man was created to thrive and execute and express God's purpose in an environment of approval. 
And to prove this, you know what God did? So He created the heavens and the earth and then He created man. And the Bible says, God put man in the middle of a garden called what? Eden. And you know that word Eden? It actually means in Hebrew, it's the word pleasure and delight. So what did God do? God placed Adam in the middle of a place called pleasure and delight. You were meant to be in the middle of God's pleasure and delight. What does that mean? God doesn't just love you, my friends. He absolutely likes you. You see, a lot of times we have no problem saying, oh, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. But can I kick it up a notch? God doesn't just love you. He absolutely likes you. He is nuts about you. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that even when you sleep, God is still working for you. For unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors, labors in vain. And it goes on. That's where you find that scripture. Can you imagine somebody who likes you so much that when you're resting, when you're sleeping, he's still thinking about your future. He's still organizing your days. He's still rearranging things in your life. Why? Because he absolutely is nuts about you. That's what scripture says. You are a right smack. You were designed to be right smack in the middle of God's delight and pleasure. Second thing, God brought in Adam to a place and environment that had his stamp of approval and had been framed with his blessings. What was God's pattern he would create? It says the Bible says on the first day he would create and then he would say, oh, and then God saw that it was good. Therefore, he blessed it. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the animals and the sea, the birds of the air, and he saw that it was good, and then he blessed it. And it is in this approved environment that God, all of a sudden, one day, stoops down, gets himself a little dirt, and places man in the middle of, in the middle of an environment and a setting that was filled with approval. And when man suddenly came to life, he realized, oh, I got a purpose. He realized, oh, God, what, what are we going to do now? Well, I want you to name those animals. So he began to go around and said, giraffe, hippopotamus, brontosaurus, or whatever else, right? I can't, I can't even imagine in that place of delight, Adam was simply uh, bored or like, oh, hassle naman. God, why... I want to go bowling today. You know, like, I can't imagine Adam doing that. He was enjoying. He was thriving. You know, to the point, to the point that, hey, singles, listen up. To the point that he didn't realize that he needed an Eve. He was so enjoying, delighting himself in God and his purposes that God had to tell him, Adam, sleep. So he slept. And then out of him, God formed Eve. Adam didn't realize his need for a help until God told him he had to stop. Because why? Because he was delighting in God and God's purposes. You, my friends, you were meant to thrive in an environment of approval. Approval is the environment for your enjoyment. The same with Jesus. 
That's why he would go on around and say, oh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He would go on to say, oh, who for the joy, Hebrew says, set before him. He endured the cross. Oh, Jesus embraced the cross. He didn't reject it. He embraced it. Why? Who for the joy? That's you. And you know what empowered him? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Lastly, second point. As we talk more about approval, I want to tell you this morning, you are approved and before God, you got nothing to prove. Approved and nothing to prove. Right after God tells Jesus He is beloved and eudokeo, Jesus goes to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And right there, we see that the temptations of Jesus and how He responded in the wilderness was a resounding expression of how strong God's approval can be. Three times He was tempted by the enemy saying, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread, throw yourself down, let the angels take care of you. Bow down before me and I will give you the world. We realize that if Jesus gave in and proved himself on the basis of this, he would rely on proving himself all the time for his identity. If Jesus gave in to the need to authenticate himself on the basis of his performance, it would derail his mission. Why? Because then he would always be drawing approval and who he is based on what he is doing from the wrong sources. And if we do things for the wrong audience, we will get the wrong applause. And if we tune in to the wrong applause, we will do what we got to do with the wrong cause. And though we do what we do for people, amen, we don't get our approval from people. We appreciate when we get appreciated, no doubt about that. But we get our approval because ultimately we do what we do for God, but not to be approved by God, but because we are approved by God. See, if I do it to please people, then my validation and my approval will be controlled by people. But people are not my source. People are not our source. God is. That's why Scripture says, For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. And lastly, I'll just hit quickly my third note, my third point. Friends, you are approved to be a proof. There's two times in Scripture that we hear these words, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the second time is towards the end of Jesus' life on a mountain, Mount of Transfiguration. And in Matthew 17, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, John, his brother, led him up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus talked. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Buti na lang nandito ako. Basically, that's what Peter was saying. It's good that I'm here. Woo! 
If you wish, let's make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while Peter was still speaking, a divine interruption happened because God got into the conversation. And he says, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why is this instance so significant? Because at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was already preparing to go to the end of his ministry. He was preparing to go to the cross. This is the time where he finally revealed his divinity to this exclusive audience. Why is this so significant? Because two times this voice of approval spoke Eudokeo at the Jordan River and at the Mount of Transfiguration. At Jesus' introduction at the Jordan River, when, he, when, 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 the, when John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was introduced as a Savior at His introduction. God washes over him and tells him, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, at His glorification, God washes over him once again. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you feel like you're stepping into something for the first time. Or maybe you're at the other point where you feel like you're exiting. You know what you need to hear? You need to hear that you are approved by God. Because it is not the low times that define me, nor is it the high times that define me. It's my God who has been with me that defines me. You see, the Jordan River is one of the lowest points in Israel. In that Mount of Transfiguration, scholars say it happened on Mount Hermon. You know what Mount Hermon is? It's the highest point in Syria. And that tells you at the lowest points of your life or at the highest points of your life, you know what you need? You need to be reminded and be washed with God's approval over your life. When things are not going well, you dokeyo. When things are going great, you dokeyo. Let me say that one more time. You dokeyo. Seal it with that. You, my friends, you are approved. Truth be told, we are always in these points in our lives. We're either always at a Jordan or at a Mount Hermon. That's how life is. This represents our journey in life. And whether you are there, I'm not gonna run anymore because they're having a hard time trying to catch me on film, on script, uh, on camera. Whether you're there or whether I'm or whether you're here, may you be reminded, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You, the okay, yo. You, my friends, you are approved. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your approval, divine approval. Oh, thank you, Lord God, that we are approved through the cross. Approved because we find ourselves in you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for this truth become a reality in our Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, wherever we go, Lord God, I thank you that the, 
that your word just brings life so much more. Father, I just thank you once again for your people in this place. And if you are here right now, you're watching this stream, whether you're on-site, online, I want to invite you to a prayer of making Jesus Lord of your life. And if you've never said this prayer, I invite you to say this with me, with all of your heart, believing that Jesus is your Lord. Amen. So if that's you right now, say this prayer with me. Repeat these words after me. Say, thank you, God, that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, I believe that you died and you rose from the game. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. I thank you that I'm washed. I thank you that I'm forgiven. I thank you that I am brand new. And I thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if that was the first time that you prayed that prayer, comment down below online. Or if you're here on site, come to us after the service. There's a next steps table outside because there's more to your story. Amen. Well, I hope that you guys got something today. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God's powerful word can bring a change in your situation and transform your life. So we encourage you to share this message to your family and friends so they too can know of the new life that God has for them. If you prayed to receive Jesus for the first time or was simply blessed by this message, we invite you to connect with us. Follow us on Facebook at newlife.ph, Instagram at newlife underscore ph, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Life Media PH. You can also email us at connect at newlife.ph. We will be so glad to hear from you. To support the ministry, please visit newlife.ph slash alabang slash give. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. God bless you.